Hello, welcome to the Basketball Soapbox. I'm your host, Daniel Daly, and we are day one of the NBA playoffs has officially started. And what a day it was. Uh, episode 41, NBA playoffs, day one reaction, obviously. Um, and let's start with the latest game here. Light the beam, folks. Light the beam. Sacramento getting to the playoffs for the first time since 2006. We're able to defeat the Golden State Warriors 126 to 123 there uh, in an exhilarating performance from the Sacramento Kings. And credit to that fan base there. They always show out, especially now that they're back in the playoffs. Cowbells are in the crowd. Uh, the Kings feeding off that energy. And this was a big game for the Kings when you really think about it. The first game since 2006. Um, that they won a playoff game. And to have that young team in there, DeMontis Sabonis has a little bit of playoff experience. De'Aaron Fox hasn't been to the playoffs. All those young guys for the Kings really haven't been in those type of situations. And to have a magnitude of that and face the defending champion, the Golden State Warriors, who at times in the game had them did, it looked like the Kings were going to roll over. And the energy from the crowd, the, 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 the support from the crowd, really fed into the Sacramento Kings, um, De'Aaron Fox had a fantastic game. Malik Monk had a fantastic game. They were aggressive all night. Um, you see the stats from Sabonis. Didn't really shoot the ball well, but just battling on the boards, fighting for that win. You legitimately thought the Kings were fighting for that win. And for them to battle back, especially in the third quarter, they were down 10 uh, with a couple minutes there to go and then actually take the lead back and then finish off the Warriors, fight through the the the, the last stanza there and actually win the game, knock down crucial free throws, not hit down big shots, keep the Warriors from rallying because Klay Thompson and Steph Curry were trying to do everything to get back in the game with late with, with late threes there, and the, the, the Kings held on. And it was just awesome from uh, being an NBA fan and knowing the history of the Sacramento Kings as never winning, um, not really being relevant since 2002 like that. And with Chris Webber and Mike Bibby and Doug Christie, like that game mattered to the NBA, I believe. It mattered to that fan base. They had Webber jerseys in the crowd, Doug Christie, Mike Bibby, uh, uh, even a Mitch Richmond jersey in the crowd you know, from the 1996 playoff uh, appearance they had. Like that team, that fan base, it mattered. That game mattered. And it was awesome to see uh, – uh, those young guys from Sacramento really pull that off. And to get that performance from De'Aaron Fox in his first playoff game, 38 points, um, five assists there. You're seeing uh, the second most points in an in in NBA player's debut playoff game. I think Luka Doncic has 42 there. Um, but to get that type of performance from De'Aaron Fox, who has been one of the best clutch players this year, has been has been the most clutch player this year with him putting points in, in in those moments there to see him fight lead that team against Steph Curry who was on fire against Clay Thompson against those Golden State Warriors who are defending champions to see him play with so much poise and get into that type of game mode where it's like yo I got to start making shots I got to get back my team attacking the hoop and shout out to Malik Monk as well off the bench with thirty two points um, their performances those guys from Kentucky you think about their um, history back in the day when they were crying in the locker room now to being in the first playoff game. I'm not saying that it comes off full circle and stuff like that, but just to have that moment between those two guys, absolutely tremendous, absolutely awesome. Um, Trey Lyles also tripped in there. You just think about what this team needed, and especially all the targeting that teams were supposedly doing against them, saying, hey, we're looking at first-round matchups, we want to face the Kings, have an easy matchup. 
to sit there and take game one was so important to that team. It actually gives them a chance now because you think about it, even though the Warriors are what, I think they're 11 and 30 on the road, which is insane. Uh, now you just have to just think, hey, we take care of business at home and we still want an Oracle. We can possibly win this series. We're in a good position to win this series. And they did that with game one. I think they got all those doubts out. And now hopefully they can continue to play freely. And, and tremendous work by Mike Brown, who was voted coach of the year as well, um, telling them just to attack. Keep attacking. Move quickly. Don't let this team settle and set up their defense, set up their offense. Keep moving the ball. Keep pushing. And I thought that was great, um, especially there late in the game. They had Harrison Barnes there who got the – got the rebound and pushed in transition and got an easy layup late in the game. And that's what it looked like the Sacramento Kings were doing. We're just going to run. That's the only chance we have in this game. We're just going to run and take quick shots. And it worked. And it worked in game one so far. And you think that uh, to play the Warriors game and then actually do that, and even though this is an older stage of the Warriors, right? Like this is not 2015, 2016, 18, 19 those years of the Warriors, right? Like this is a different version of the Warriors with Jordan Poole, um, Jonathan Kaminga, and all these other guys coming in, Dante DiVincenzo, all these other guys coming in there. And to play the Warriors game and beat them, even if it's one game for this young team here for Sacramento, again, I can't speak enough to that, and that's just awesome. Um, the Warriors' road wars continue as they are 11-30 and 30 <laughs> on the road this season, and then to lose this game here, it's like it just continues. I'm not saying that they're going to lose the series or anything like that, but I do believe that that could be a problem, right? Like you lost game one, and especially game one is usually the easiest to steal, right? Um, you can come back game two and get the, the, the energy and emotions and the adrenaline out of the Kings a little bit. But that's just a, a, a dastardly thing, right? Like, we can't think of a defending champs that lost like this on the road. And, like, this is a drastic losing record. But the Warriors are the sleeping giant. I was talking on the Mr. Vincent podcast how this could be a, a, a rejuvenating series for the Warriors. And just for this reason, because of this high-scoring Kings um, and how that can really just set them up to raise their energy a little bit. Because if you don't, the Kings have the best offense in the league. They attack, and they're able to score. You could be down 2-0. You know what I mean? Like, that's a possibility here for the Golden State Warriors who have road woes and are facing a very extremely good offensive team. So to put that in perspective there for the Warriors, it's like this could be a series where they can get a wake-up early and really just start hitting the all cylinders because it's like you could be down 2-0 and be in a position where you need to win game three, win game four, protect home court, come back and win in the in Sacramento. So to think like that for the Warriors, it's possibly in play, but I was like, this could be a series where this can just rejuvenate this team and get them to that level that we seen last year where it's not as stagnant. The Warriors are waking up and they're going to hit, make a run here. Um, but in the game, Curry, Steph Curry had 30 points, knocking down crazy shots. Um, again, just shooting spectacular. Like he just makes crazy difficult shots from three and able to do it anywhere. On the road at home, he has been the consistent force of the Golden State Warriors this season. Klay Thompson had 21 points and hit a couple big shots where I thought this could break the Kings in a certain way where it's just like, oh, no, here we go. <laughs> here are the Kings, right? Like, here, here, are the, here are the Golden State Warriors coming back. Klay Thompson, Steph Curry knocking down shots, both knocking down big time shots, I thought, there at certain moments. Um, Andrew Wiggins, after having his uh, personal situation returned and had 17 points, struggled shooting the ball a little bit, but it's just good to see him out there and competing and defending like that out there. 
again. So um, kudos to him to come back. But again, this is about the Sacramento Kings. I can't talk enough about how much that was awesome to see, that energy in that type of environment. Um, just happy for Sacramento. Awesome. Just happy for Sacramento. Moving on to one of the earlier games in the day. Um, Celtics hold off the rally from the Atlanta Hawks. The Celtics came out hitting on all cylinders off to a strong start with Jalen Brown finishing up with 29 points and 12 rebounds. Uh, Jason Tatum with 25 and 11 rebounds and Derek White with 24 points, seven assists and five rebounds. Um, those guys were playing fantastic. Uh, I went to my brother's to watch the game and he looked up and he was like, wait, wait a minute. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have 40 points and the Hawks had 54. Um, the, the Celtics got out to a crazy, crazy big lead led by 32 at one point, And we're just pouring it on. Everybody was contributing in this game um, to get that type of play from Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown after their, uh, of course, finals loss from last year to see them actually come out and be like, we're going to be put our foot on the gas. We're going to be aggressive. We're going to get to the bucket. And they were just scoring at will against Atlanta. Atlanta doesn't really have too many options to stop those two guys. So I feel like that's going to be a difficult thing for them as well as Derek White. Derek White has been probably one of the uh, X-Factor players all season, been durable, um, consistent, knocking down his shot, and he was able to do that today as well. Um, getting uh, consistent defensive plays from Marcus Smart, especially late in the game um, uh, against Atlanta when they were making their run there. The Atlanta Hawks cut it to 12. So uh, the Celtics kind of readjusted there, got some uh, defensive plays there from Al Horford, um, Marcus Smart, Robert Williams, all of those guys contributing on that end. And it was just a total team win from the Celtics. The only thing I noticed from the Celtics, that was a short rotation there. And uh, just wondering if they're going to be able to get in there because I think Tatum and Brown played nearly 40 minutes in this game. <laughs> so that's a little high there, especially being up 32. You thought there would have been a little bit of a war relief there. Um, but, yeah, the Celtics, other than that, were playing great. Of course, there, were, there was that point where they were kind of losing the lead a little bit. The lead was doing the link. But they actually – Woke up, shut down, locked down late, and got the victory there. Um, and again, just impressive play from Jalen Brown, especially after that injury with his cut hand there from picking up a vase, he said. Um, and to, to get that consistent play is off to a good start. Jason Tatum as well, who was hitting big shots. And just a really total team effort there for the Boston Celtics and Robert Williams. I believe he's the he has 10 games where he shot 100% from the field. Um, passing Ed Pickney from the 1990s, 91 season, I believe, up in that at that time period. Um, but just to get that uh, efficiency from Robert Williams off the bench, and I think the Celtics should continue to do that, keep bringing him off the bench, because I think it just gives him a different look, and he's not just starting the game and playing those high minutes there. Um, putting him in plug-and-play situations, but he, play, he pays dividends, and especially on the defensive end, even on the offensive end, but the defensive end blocking shots, rebounding, battling on the boards. Celtics are going to need that forward. Hopefully they can use this series to build him up and get him ready for those high minutes usage that they're going to need him at points and times uh, during this playoff run. Um, now on to the Hawks. Do they have any answers? You know, Trey Young struggled tonight. Um, 16 points, eight assists, just really couldn't get going. Marcus Smart defending him real well. Um, Derek White, all those guys that they, that they put on him just wore him down a little bit. And you're just wondering, can they find any situations where they could actually um, get a game here. And, and, and it's looking dastardly. 
Um, the only thing that I was worried about from Atlanta was the rebounding of, of Clint Capella and those opportunities that he can create, second-chance points and opportunities, and that the Hawks can hit threes. Um, still haven't seen that in, in game one, and we'll see how the series goes forward. But it's just like I don't see too many answers for the Atlanta Hawks here unless Trey Young goes ballistic and just goes for 40 and has a big game in that nature, which I don't see what's happening. I don't see that happening against this Boston Celtics team. So you're just sitting there wondering how can they – make some headway in this series at, from the Atlanta Hawks perspective. And it's just like, I really don't see it unless um, they defend at a high level, which the Hawks have not been able to do this season and that they're able to score. The, the Hawks are able to score, and be, but it, but against the Celtics defense, which is top five in the league, I believe that's going to be difficult to do um, looking after the Atlanta Hawks here. And, but uh, game two will be on, Tuesday. Let me just check here. But yeah, uh, yeah, that'll be on Tuesday on NBA TV at seven o'clock. So just wondering if the Hawks can figure out any type of uh, way to slow down the Celtics offense and be able to pick up their offense enough where they're able to compete in these games here. And it's going to be interesting to see if they're able to do that. Uh, moving on to the Knicks and Cavaliers. Um, a really strong performance from the Knicks on the road here. Uh, can't speak enough about this. Uh, uh, Jalen Brunson got into foul trouble early, really turned it on in the second half, had 12 points in the in the uh, third quarter and really finished off uh, uh, the Cavs in the fourth quarter. Um, Julius Randle led the charge in the first half for the Knicks, really keeping them afloat, especially with Jalen Brunson out. You were wondering where they were going to get their offense, and Julius Randle was delivering on that end. It kind of faded away a little bit in the second half, but – was really playing really well early on, and I was just like this. The Knicks were doing enough to fluster uh, uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers, who were struggling offensively, of course, um, looking at their half-court sets and stuff like that. But just to see the Knicks battle like that, getting good minutes from Hartenstein, Josh Hart especially, I think the unsung hero of the game. Um, Jalen Brunson came in. Of course, he was the main star of the game. But Josh Hart there, just the ability to battle on the boards, get the offensive boards at that time, get those second-chance opportunities, they're able to knock down some shots and score next to Jalen Brunson and give them that little offensive push that they desperately needed in this game. And it was just a great performance from the Knicks, a tough, gritty win. You wouldn't have it any other way if you're a Tibbs fan or a Knicks fan right now. They have played fantastic, and I thought that was a really good win to set the tone there, especially Julius Randle coming back to his questions if he was going to be able to play able to come out and give it a good go and play well. And I think the Knicks overall played well and got what they needed. Of course, you always want to take one. As, as I said, the easiest game is to steal game one on the road if you're the road team. And to do that, the Knicks set them up in position to make this a real big series. And I think people have thought that this was going to be uh, one of the more compelling series because all the history with Donovan Mitchell there um, from New York, especially all the in the offseason where it was expected that he was going to get traded to New York. And he, even he thought he was a Nick at that point in time. And to not have that happen, it was just like, oh, okay. But just to see this here and then the Constellation Prizes, Jalen Brunson, have him come in there and perform so well. And all you think about is, well, Dallas messed up, <laughs> right? You see his performance on the road there, his ability to defend. Just be a tough, gritty guard right there in New York and fits there like a glove, just like Josh Hart. Um, and just to get that type of play from that type of guy and the Mavericks could have had him for $54 million. Ooh, 
Oh, that's tough. <laughs> that is tough. That is definitely tough right there. Like just to not have that and to see him perform so well in the playoffs here and just provide that dynamic offense that a team desperately needs and especially going up against the number one defense in the league to do that. Kudos to Jalen Brunson. And once again, the Mavericks looks dumb. Um, this was a tough game for the Cavs here. Donovan Mitchell did have 30 points and eight assists and Darius Garland did have 17 and four. I think that might be a typo. Wait a minute. Do, 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 do. Oh, my bad. He had 38. So let me edit that. Yes, he had 30. I was like, okay, eight assists, yeah, but not nah, he had he had 38 points there. Yeah, but Donovan Mitchell was able to just take it. Well, that's the one thing I was noticing when I was also watching this with my brother a little bit, that he did, he does take tough shots. Like, that was tough for Cleveland. I think that kind of took Cleveland a little bit out of their flow, whatever their flow is. Terrible shooting from Isaac Okoro today from the field. Um, Darius Garland there playing really, had a solid game there. But I just feel like Donovan Mitchell takes a little bit too much of the shots there from Darius Garland a little bit, takes the ball out of his hand a little bit. Darius Garland had 17-4. and four. And it was a struggle for the big man for the the big men for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, not really having a great game. Uh, Evan Mobley didn't have a great game. He had eight points and eleven rebounds. Jared Allen had fourteen and fourteen rebounds. He had a strong game. But other than that, it was just it was just difficult flow for the the Cleveland Cavaliers on the offensive end just to get that flow in the game and. and get that consistent offense. Of course, the Knicks are a gritty defensive team, but it's just like, especially with Jalen Brunson in foul trouble, I thought they would have been able to take advantage of that just a little bit more in this game. Um, they were not able to do so, and I think that was the difference. Jalen Brunson and Josh Hart basically willing the Knicks today for a win, and I thought they played fantastic. I can't speak enough about that for the Knicks, and that's a good start for the New York Knicks on that side. Um, Cleveland, however, I just want to know if they're where they're going to be able to find the shooting and the help there. Um, Ricky Rubio didn't play too much in this game. Seti Osman has, uh, Seti, uh, yeah, Seti Osman has, it seems to be the guy off the bench that they have penned to go in there and really defend and help and provide a little bit of different look. And I think they have to go to him a little bit earlier rather than relying on Isaac Okoro, who's a good defender and stuff like that. But if he's not able to knock down shots, it's going to be real difficult to find offense for this team, especially when Karis LeVert is also struggling in wildly inconsistent and can be streaky at times. They need something a little bit more consistent, and we're going to see if Seti Osman can, can provide that. Um, also, let's see if Donovan Mitchell can uh, uh, distribute a little bit more and be able to get to the line a little bit more and just be able to get his teammates involved a little bit more. I think it would open up the floor for him, especially late in games, especially during those times when they need buckets and stuff like that. Um, yeah, that was tough. That was tough because Donovan had a good game, but overall I just felt like the Cavs are kind of out of it. And that and part of that was the Knicks. The Knicks are a good defensive team, but it just felt like they were the, the Cavs were a little bit out of it, just a little bit out of it. And we'll see if they're able to change that up going forward. Uh, moving on to the earliest game tonight, um, the Sixers beat the Nets 121, 121 to 101, and then a strong game from. James Harden uh, had the step back working there, um, was able to knock down a bunch of threes, seven threes in the game. That was his calling card in this game. Um, he had 13 assists, another double-double in his career in the playoffs there. Joel Embiid chipped in 26 points. Tobias Harris had 21 points. And I think the, the Philadelphia 76ers defense was the thing that uh, uh, really pushed this lead up. 
I believe they were able to get 20 uh, turnovers from the Nets. Uh, P.J. Tucker had five steals. Uh, T, uh, Tyrese Maxey had three steals. So those little steals and those little uh, points in transition that they were able to create that they usually don't get um, was the difference here. And I thought that was a big thing. And, and, and Brooklyn struggled trying to figure out, hey, do we stop Harden? Do we double Embiid? What do we do in this situation to give ourselves the best chance in this? And they they were just outmatched all game. I don't think they let a point a minute in this game. Um, but yeah, Philadelphia just playing well, off to a good start there with uh, James Harden and Joel Embiid playing real well. And that's going to be the thing. It can they just build up some confidence for the second round because you know the Celtics or for well, let's just give in for conversation Atlanta. Whatever matchup they have, the second round is going to be a little bit tougher there. Um, Brooklyn just, I just think they're too undersized, too inexperienced right now. Um, Mikhail Bridges uh, having a good game, 30 points, Cam Johnson with 18 points. But in, in, they shot well in this game. I think they shot like 55% there for the Brooklyn Nets there. So they're playing well. It's just the turnovers there. Can they match that defensively and be able to create enough and control the ball enough to give themselves a chance in the series? Because the only puncher's chance that they have is that they're able to knock down shots, what they were able to do but they just didn't take care of the ball today. And I think that was one of the things that held them off um, from making this a game. Um, so, so, but again, another, another strong start for um, Philadelphia there with James Harden and Joel Embiid. I also think they need to play Paul Reed a little bit more. I feel like, I feel like people have been saying that about Doc Rivers um, about playing him. And I feel like he should be able to play in those certain situations. And he was able to get some minutes today and play some good minutes there um, to help the Sixers win this game. Um, but we'll see what's going to happen going forward. We'll see what's happening going forward. Uh, moving on to my playoff first round picks. I was not able to make that video here, but I was on the Mr. Vincent podcast. I will post that below if you want to hear us give a more in-depth playoff preview there on the Mr. Vincent podcast, uh, where I went over some things there. And we're just going to look ahead to the series going forward. Um. Hold on one second. Uh, so the Brooklyn Nets, Philadelphia 76ers, that's just the series I was just talking about. Uh, I think the I think the Sixers are going to win that in five. I think Brooklyn's going to be able to get one game there at some point. I, I think they're going to find a way to get a game there. Like I think that's the capabilities. They can also get swept, but I think they're going to get most likely get gentlemen sweeped. Uh, moving on to the Celtics Hawks, same thing. Either a sweep or in five. I want to say five because I feel like going to Atlanta, the Celtics could drop a game there. They have before. Um, but yeah, I think that's going to go five. I don't think this, the Hawks have enough answers for Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and to battle that Celtics defense there. I just don't know if Atlanta has enough to do so. something about that. The Knicks and Cavaliers, even though game one has already happened and the Knicks are already up 1-0, I think the Cleveland Cavaliers get this done at six. Uh, we already saw the scoring explosion from Donovan Mitchell in game one with 38. I think that's going to continue because I don't think they're going to be able to stop him. I then Cleveland will be able to improve their shooting uh, uh, from deep. They're getting a little bit more help for Donovan Mitchell. And we'll see if Evan Mobley can rise to the occasion because he kind of had a little difficult time today. Um, but we'll see if he's able to get some more touches, get some more and play a little bit better defensively and just get some stops there. And we'll see what happens with that. The Knicks, I just think that – so, and I did say I give the Knicks a chance in the series on the Mr. Vincent podcast because they're able to have Quentin Grimes out there. They're able to have Josh Hart out there. Those guys muck up the game, able to score as well. So we're going to see what happens there. But I just think Darwin Mitchell and that defense behind him, I think that he's going to get the edge there. Um, moving on to the Sacramento Kings and Golden State Warriors. The Kings took game one. 
Um, but I do think the Warriors are using this series to gear themselves up for a playoff run. And I think the Warriors get this done in six. And just because uh, even though with the road woes, I think that's going to wake the Warriors up, especially losing game one, and give them a chance to get accelerate themselves into this, the next series, um, get some rest a little bit. And hopefully they do that. Um, and I think I think they get that done in six. The Kings are playing well, and I wouldn't be so shocked if they won the series. I would not be shocked. Um, but looking at it, I think the Warriors championship experience is going to show up at some point. Um, they nearly showed up today. So uh, I give them a good shot at winning the series. Moving on to the Lakers and Grizzlies. Who am I picking? I'll tell you who I'm picking. The Memphis Grizzlies. <laughs> the Memphis Grizzlies. Yes, I think they upset the, the Lakers here, the new revamped Lakers. I think they're the ability to get the Lakers tired is higher than people expect. Getting LeBron James, getting Anthony Davis to play high, intense minutes in this situation, I think they can do enough to rattle the Lakers, get the Lakers tired, get LeBron tired, get Anthony Davis tired. I think they're going to just have to play fast and gun it, kind of like what the Kings did with the Golden State today. I think they have that capabilities, especially with John open court. I don't think anybody can guard John Moran on the Lakers. And I think he's going to use that to his advantage. He's going to be able to attack, 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 and kind of have a little redemption series here for him, right? Like all the, all the situations that happened with him getting suspended, all of that. I feel like he's been fresh. He's been fresh. He was gone for two weeks, a little break there. I think he's going to be able to put the, put it on in the series. I think he's going to be able to put it on real, Real, real good against the Lakers in this series and attack the rim. Um, but we'll see. But I think the Grizzlies can win this series. I got them in six there. Um, moving on to the Bucks versus Heat, the 1-8 matchup in the Eastern Conference. I do not think the the Miami Heat stand a chance. And Jimmy Butler is my guy. I think they can win one game. I think Tyler Hero and others can get hot from three, at least one game. But other than that, I don't think there's going to be much of a difficult situation here for the Milwaukee Bucks, even though Miami does get up to play and they play tough and they play they play hard and they're going to compete. I just don't think there's any answers for Drew Holiday. I just don't think there's any answers for Gian Santacumpo. And I just don't know if there's enough help there to stop Chris Middleton. Um, yeah, so I got I, I, I got the Bucks in five because I think Miami can at least steal a game, be a little bit more prideful. Than they were in 2000. What was that? Was that 20 and 19 when uh, they lost? No, that was 19. Was that 19? No, 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 no. That wasn't 19. 21 when uh, Jimmy Butler had a terrible series and they just played badly. And I think that can almost be the same way this series. But I'm gonna give I'm gonna give Miami Heat in one game. But I I got the Bucks in five there. Moving on to the Suns and Clippers. If the Clippers had Paul George, I probably would have picked the Clippers. A healthy Paul George, I probably would have picked the Clippers. But because they don't have Paul George, and because I feel like they're not going to have enough firepower, I'm going to go with the Phoenix Suns in six in this one. I think unless we get terminated Kawhi that we saw in 2017 before the injury when he got Zaza Pachulia, um, if we can get that level of Kawhi back where he's just controlling everything and scoring bucket for bucket, keeping everybody off balance because they were up 25 in that game. And that was years ago. 
But I'm like, we can get that same level of Kawhi or the Kawhi that we saw in 2019. If we can get that type of level Kawhi battling, defending, being a menace against this Phoenix Suns team, then I would go the Clippers. But because there's no Paul George, I just don't feel certain about the Clippers right now. And I do feel like Ty Lue is able to be able to make adjustments and best adjustment maker on a fly game to game and be able to get this team ready and prepared. I just don't think there's enough firepower there to go against the Suns. And now, of course, the Suns, you know, Kevin Durant just came back, but they've been playing well with him. He's the ultimate plug-and-play superstar, right? So you're looking at it right now. Him and Devin Booker are going to be able to score there. I just don't see them slowing down over like four times in a row to not win a series right now, especially against the Clippers without Paul George. If the Clippers had Paul George, I would have picked the Clippers. But because they don't, I'm going to pick the Suns. Pick the Suns in six. Moving on, we got the Nuggets and Timberwolves. And this is something I can see where Timberwolves fans will have an advantage and feel like they have the biggest advantage with Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert. They can just lean and wear out Joker over the course of the game and give themselves a better chance, especially from the perimeter. But I'm going to go Nuggets in five because I think – I think this is going to be something for the Denver uh, to be tested with and really try to show the world, hey, we're legit, and they can do it here against um, Minnesota, who I think matches up better than people expect. Um, but I think Denver wins that in five. I think they have enough there, and I think there's enough. There's, there's something to prove there from Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon, those guys like that, I really feel like they're trying to prove something, and I feel like they're trying to say, hey, we're the one seed, and we can go get this done. And that will be it for the first-round picks. Um, we'll see how that goes. There's more NBA action on Sunday. Um, we got the Lakers and Grizzlies at 3 p.m. We got the Heat and Bucks at 5.30. We have the Clippers and Suns at 8, and the Timberwolves and Nuggets at 10 to 10.30. Woo, that's a late game. So there are some games on there that were definitely going to be entertaining, especially the early game, the Lakers and Grizzlies. Can't wait to see that because that's probably the most intriguing matchup in the first round there uh, on the Western Conference. So we'll see what happens there with that. Um, it's going to be real interesting to see how that goes. Um, and I'll also be posting the Mr. Vincent podcast below, uh, sending the link to that where we get a full more in-depth playoff preview there. Um, really had a good chat with him there. Again, thank you for inviting me on the show. Um, really good podcast there, so um, stay on the lookout for that. Um, but for this episode, that will be it. I'll be continuing my NBA uh, playoffs breakdowns and stuff like that, as well as ring takes is probably going to return this week. Hopefully, WWE can get a little bit more interesting, and we'll see how that goes. But, uh, of course, thank you all for listening. Uh, thank you all for watching. Um, and until next time.